Okay, this is recording. I've never recorded with Zoom, so hopefully this works out. I don't know where this is going to say. Um, okay, I'm here with the Freaky Waves, uh, legendary band, uh, Victoria, Montreal at the moment. Uh, I got uh, Stephen Lind and Thomas Danino with me here. Hello. 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 Uh, so you guys just released an album on Telephone Explosion. Uh, I spent the better part of this week kind of going through albums on there. There's some good shit on Telephone Explosion. It's pretty wild. Oh. For yeah, sure. it's an awesome label. Yeah, uh, that Chandra record is is very sick. I think it's it's okay. uh, reminiscent of your last two records a little bit too. I think it makes sense. Yeah, cool. for sure. That's a great album. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Bella Pock, I like that one too. I I couldn't tell. It's like I can't tell if the covers or not on those albums. Like I'm not really sure. Could Which one's that one? Uh, it's like it's this. I think it's um. It's the Bell Epoch Ensemble, and I think it's a bunch of people from various oh. in Toronto. Yeah, I don't think yeah. any of those are covers, but it's legit shit. Because I don't. One of them sound. One of the songs. I'm like, this sounds like a sample from an MF Doom song or something, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, a really sweet band. Yeah, it's just great. And okay, so I'm just gonna go right to it. I got I got like two pages of notes. I went through I went through every single interview you guys have ever done. Uh, Holy I shit! Through the web. Uh, so my first question is related to that, and it's uh, so you've done a fair amount of interviews, more than anyone I've talked to so far. Uh, like, what's what's the the shit you hate talking about that you're like, why why even bother asking me this, or you know, not necessarily like what's off the table, but like what's what what just makes you roll your eyes, you know? I'd say like any question regarding the band name is a pretty obvious. Wow, he's cutting out. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. There isn't really anything for me that I hate talking about. That's good. Or maybe I can't, nothing I can think of right now. Okay, well, I'll do my best to uh, grind your gears. Uh, All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's find one. Let's find an answer. <laughs> Let's find one. Uh, yeah, I guess the band name one, though, it's like it's, it is a pretty evident name. When I first heard your band name, it was it was Keenan, uh, Elon Noon, was, was yeah. saying, and I had no idea what he was saying because of the the soft. <laughs> you no, know? it was like freaky waves, and I was like, "What the what the fuck are you saying, man?" We get that a lot, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But then he put on the shirt, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's what he's saying." Right. Um, okay, so the obviously like I, you guys have probably been asked a lot about this one too, but the the progression of the band, the band has changed more than your average band changes throughout your four uh full-length albums um like what what drew you to go more uh synthetic like and and less uh i guess angular i don't even know what angular means but it's it's that that particular sound that's kind of i think drifted away particularly in the west coast of canada for sure well yeah i mean all of our records had some element of synthesizers and drum machines on them so it was like always something we were interested in. But uh, yeah, when we started out, we were just doing the guitar drum thing because that's what we were used to. Like we played in yeah. punk bands and stuff. So it's like to play live, it was always that format for us. And to bring a synth or a drum machine to a show and try to make that work seemed pretty much impossible or like didn't really even consider that for a long time. It just seemed like a studio thing for us to do. Um, but then it was just a gradual 
uh, change, I would say. I don't know. Yeah, it seems it seems natural. It's like it's yeah. particularly from the the Bonnie to the XXXL, and then to this one, it's like it is pretty gradual. I've listened to them a bunch of times in the last week, and uh, Bonnie is more synthetic than I remembered it to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's in there for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though, I'd say like uh, a lot of it was also just uh, I don't know. You never really want to make the same thing twice, or like we don't ever strive to do that. No, I've always found it bizarre, like the idea of uh, a, an extensive tour where you play the same songs over and over again to be soul crushing. I've never done it, but it just sounds. Oh, like... oh yeah. It, we, it we did a tour. Our last big tour for Beyond Triple XL was the same set every night for two months. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it was particularly <laughs> boring because usually when we play, there's like a ton of improvisation happening. But for the Beyond Triple XL, we were really trying to. Ex like execute the album and there's tons of synths on it so we were playing the backing track so it was like really hard to jam and it got yeah. so boring how did you how did you run the backing tracks what were, what were you using uh we, we had like a 303 sampler that would play like you can just put like super long loops on all those pads so we would just have the backing tracks on the pads so you would just hit play on it i guess hey eh? Yeah, and then we were just playing track, yeah. Was it just the two of you on that tour? We had a bass player. Okay. Uh, it was an original bass player, actually, from the band. Uh, and he did that tour, and that was pretty sweet. But I would never – yeah, I don't think we'd ever play the backing tracks like that again. Yeah. That was a mistake. A little but dull. It's, little it's dull. convenient, I guess, though, right? Because, like, did you, know, you had no drum kit, I assume, with you, right? We also, because yeah. we did have drum bass guitar and then we were just trying to mix this like other stuff in seamlessly right. it was like yeah it was it depends on the sound system it really depended on the sound tech yeah i could imagine like playing like in certain pubs with like you know ancient boomer sound guys just being like what are you doing you know and oh yeah we, a lot totally of people got mad at us. <laughs> sound guys hated us and i didn't blame them yeah <laughs> But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think also for us too, with the the synths and the drum machine stuff, was always the stuff we had the most fun recording on all. Like even our first record, it's like when I look back at that record, like first song is just synths and drum machines, and the best stuff. And that's like one of my favorite tracks on that record. And I think same thing with Bonnie's the stuff that I had the most fun recording, and I think turned out the best is the synth and drum machine stuff. Like, I love, like, I think we all love playing live with the band and because it was a lot of improvisation and we love jamming together and we doing all that stuff, but it just seemed impossible to, like, capture that on record in an interesting way. Yeah, where it's just, like, a different, is like, the energy and, and the execution of it live was super fun, but then it never made as much sense on record as when we were just doing more experimental stuff with uh, synthesizers and stuff that I always like was more rewarding in, as a recording. Yeah, I suppose it'd be easier to to work uh, like at a distance using uh, electronic music because be, you could just send a much cleaner audio track. Did you guys did you guys record the album together or was it was it kind of a, a mix? It's a both. Yeah. 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 It, it's definitely that is a huge part of it. Also, like even when we did live in the same city, like 
space is really expensive now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that was a big thing. Like it's hard to afford a place to make a lot of noise and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't imagine I'll ever be in a situation where I'm around a drum kit again, you know, like I, yeah, can't, even, like, I can't even fathom it. It's so hard. It's so rare these days that like, you know, when you think about, well, we're getting together to record or something, like, what can we do at a low volume? It's like, often it's just stuff you can plug right into the interface or something. Yeah, yeah I've noticed too, like, I, the Victoria music scene, if you will, from what I know, I'm a little bit more out of touch than I used to be, but it's, uh, it has gone very electronic, Ableton-y music is, is what seems to be popping off, you know, rather than post-punk, I guess, you know. Yeah, I'm also pretty out of touch with it by now, but especially given the quarantine and stuff, but that is the stuff I'm seeing popping up on a, on a online and stuff definitely seems to be going that way. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a sweet change. Yeah. People, people love like dance music again, it seems like, which is super sick. Yeah. It's fun. It's just like, it's fun and highly creative. Yeah. And you don't need to rely on a bunch of people to do it. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's limitless. It's, 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 yeah. Sick. Um, so, uh, in one of the interviews that I, I listened to, uh, Thomas, you mentioned being uh, a fan of dub, like uh, dub music. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, me and Steve are huge. Huge dub boys. Yeah, I went through a huge dub phase. I, like, it's, it was the, my one untouched territory of music. I mean, it, obviously, there's, all, there's always more. but uh, Oh, yeah, it's possibly the best. Phase, I got obsessed. Um, so I was just curious if, the, if the, the recording techniques of that and stuff has ever like, kind of seen its... Uh, weird it's ugly head on on any of uh your records oh i'd say on every one it's like the one of the coolest it's so when i first learned about that whole scene and stuff like it was so enlightening i was like oh this is a way to make music yeah it's like so sweet so yeah we definitely are constantly exploring that those techniques yeah when you have a space echo in the studio it's pretty hard not to use it yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Every I don't think ever recorded without like a dub stand on the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I love the concept of like rhythm or whatever is like very, very cool. Like the, they're like, okay, the bass and the drums and then everything else is separate is, uh, is, is very interesting. Like I've, I've, I think of dub almost as like, it's like reverse ambient music. You know what I mean? Where yeah. instead, instead of uh, texture and melody, it's, it's uh, like rhythm and groove, but with the kind of the same sort of uh, like, uh, dr it's, it's almost droney, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's very, very interesting. Sure. I also love the idea of just uh, using the same, like recycling your own creative output to make it creative again. Yeah. yeah. It's so sweet. Yeah, it's very ahead of its time. It's still ahead of its time, I'd say, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a dub. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna ask about uh, like which synthesizers did you guys specifically use, and if you have any like dream synths that you want to get your hands on. I've, I'm buddies with a bunch of crazy synth guys. I, I know a thing or two, but not too much about the synthesizer world. Um, Steve. Uh, yeah, I guess the two that I have over here that I was using was uh, the Korg Poly sixty one which is uh like from the 80s and it's very similar to the the juno yeah, which i don't juno know if you yeah. thomas's juno on this record but we had used it a lot on 
Beyond Triple XL. It's a very similar kind of synth. And then the other one I have is the uh, Korg Mini Log, which is like a newer synth that I use live. Like it's great because it's super light and you can save really easily. And uh, it's just, I bought it as like a live synth mainly, but then it is, yeah, it's on the record for sure. And then Thomas, Thomas got more. Um, yeah, big one for us that we try to use on every album, but I'm actually not sure if it made itself on this album was the Korg MS-10. That's like, we always try to use that because it just sounds amazing. Mm. But this album was actually like a ton of this Emu like rack mount synth that just had a, just based on samples, but uh, that was like a huge part of the, a lot of the sounds on it. Um, did you guys? Do you guys make this record? Like, how, what? What? Uh, what gear did you use specifically to record it? Like, was it? Uh, are you using DAWs? Or are you using like hardware or what? There's a one. One track was done on the on a tape machine, which is okay. all our our first three records were all tape machine records. Yeah, they sound like tape machine records. Yeah. So this one, we only did one track on the on a Tascam. Uh, what is it? I don't even know. But uh, yeah, so then, but then the rest of it was done on either like Logic or GarageBand. Okay. Yeah. Apple, Apple products. Yeah. 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 Always sleek. I, I'm, I, I like Logic. I don't love Logic. I find, I find it frustrating some of the things that you can and can't do on Logic. Uh, I'm digging it. I'm just like getting into it. I'm mixing this album and working it and stuff i like grew to really like it yeah it's very it's so user-friendly and it's like yeah. it's a nice look to be in i find with the like with daws it's uh the ui is more important than uh than anything else in reality right yeah i think like the more we the more we use synths and drum machines and like a lot of samplers and stuff it's like the production is kind of already done before you're recording it so right the daw is just like capturing right yeah the yeah, thing was, like, like, you can use it to make yeah. music or you can just use it as a tape machine you know yeah whereas like with the tape machine though we'd always uh like that that is like it adds a filter to everything so yeah you want it to be you want to hear it but now with the dots like you just want something you can't hear yeah you know which i'm sure some people hate that it doesn't have character but i like that i like that it doesn't have character it's like completely up to you to make it sound mm -hmm. x way you know totally yeah um okay so i was gonna uh just ask about like influences and stuff like uh but i'm gonna go specific uh like okay songs that that uh make you cry is what i'm just gonna ask you got any tunes that that make you shed a tear for me uh carissa by sun kill moon is my is my go-to one that, that song fucks me up okay i'm not super familiar with sun kill moon but uh i've heard it's a lot of crying yeah, it is. He's gotten pretty bad his music in recent days, but yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Um, trying to think off the top of my head, pretty tough to answer. I love a lot of just like soul ballads and stuff for that kind of era. Specifically, I don't know. I think we lost Thomas. Yeah, he's Oh, there he is. Sorry, dog ran away. You got you got the dog though. The dog is safe. 
Boom. Nice. Oh, you're in the car. Thomas, what, what song makes you cry? What song makes me cry? Yeah, that was my question. Oh, man. Uh, you know whose voice always gets me is uh, Curtis Mayfield. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of songs by him. I find myself, you know, feeling pretty heavy. Yeah, The Makings that's, of You. That's a, that's a tearjerker song. That's, for yeah. sure. And We the People Who Are Darker Than Blue, I think. That track uh, gets me pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, gets you hard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Makes yeah, me That's a different hard. question. That is. That yeah. was my next question. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Leonard Cohen. Okay. His first sure. couple albums usually get me pretty hard. And, uh, Brian Wilson, like, Pet Sounds really gets me. Yeah. You know that first, the you know the Dennis Wilson album. I'm sure, you guys have listened to that. The first tune on that yeah. album gets me pretty good. Oh yeah, the ocean, ocean blue. Yeah, with the big horn drop and stuff. Like, yeah, for I sure. Like, uh, the Yoko Ono kind of ballads are always like, even like hard times are over or stuff like that. There's like a there's a heaviness to it, and it's just yeah. kind of like the I like things like that where there's like a naivety in performance or ability or something and it's just all the emotion that's kind of yeah true raw i've always thought yeah. too like i'd rather speaking of nativity like i'd rather watch somebody who's never played a guitar before than someone that's really good you know what i mean yeah who's confident at least who's just like all right yeah i'm gonna fuck around like totally extremely good or extremely annoying yeah. <laughs> yeah. i go both ways yeah but I guess it just depends on the energy. Like, if you're picking up a guitar and you're like, oh, I want to be like Led Zeppelin or something, that's going to be really annoying. And if you're picking it up and you're like, this is a toy, that could be very interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's uh, something to be said about, like, someone like Link Ray, who also gets me pretty hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> edit that. Uh, but he, uh, there's, <laughs> there's something about... <laughs> uh, this is going to be on public radio. I guess I'm going to have to fucking cut it down. That's fine. Yeah, you're down. Uh, it's just promising. He's hard for. He's hard, yeah. 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 Yeah, there's something about Link Ray who is insanely talented, but, you know, decides to play, you know, maybe more emotionally. And he's an insane guitar player that just. Uh, Link Ray's like, I, I, he's like rockabilly ish. Is that, that, that's right? Is that correct? Yeah, he, yeah. he started in that scene, kind of like invented it, but then like he has a bunch of albums kind of after he has this like health scare where he they're kind of like rolling stonesy kind of okay like swamp rock and it's like there's some real heart-wrenching ballads on those yeah um okay yeah, my other question i guess back to influences is uh like I, I said this in the email and i was like that's a dumb thing to say but uh he's like non-musical influences like uh uh i read the i just read the pitchfork review and they they compare you guys to the, the music's like robocop or something like that you know oh yeah yeah so uh what like what are some like, i guess we'll talk about zap the planet specifically but uh what's what are some uh non-musical uh influences on the record what was what was uh stimulating you even themes you know whatever like uh i guess zap the planet is kind of uh like 
thematically a bit of a reference to just like climate change was like the what the title was trying to say so i don't know if that was an influence on the record but it was kind of like something we wanted to put out there and then uh but lyrically most of the record is just about um personal stuff that uh was a bit bit of a change for us yeah okay yeah personal stuff. i don't know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I noticed like too that like, uh, your your lyrical content has kind of changed a bit throughout the the records for sure. You write all you write all the lyrics, is that correct, Stephen? Uh, on this record, I did. Yeah, okay. yeah, because like uh, but, I don't know. I, I found that that uh, the 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 records got funnier as they went on, kind of. You know what I mean? Like uh, you leaned <laughs> into, you leaned into that that delivery a bit more on this record in particular. I think. Yeah, I mean, we're always. I think tr there's always humor in all of it, but yeah, I think we're getting a bit more comfortable with what we're doing, so it's coming out more. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool that you picked up on that. But yeah, it's a, we, I think a lot of what defines what we do is just like the absurdity of it all. Like I think the last record, like Beyond Triple XL is just like an extremely absurd take on music in some sense yeah. or just like, and obviously the voice is an absurd thing to most people and uh yeah 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 i wrote down uh like i'm okay i'm sure that like like when you're on tour and stuff that you get uh the ian curtis thing a lot i'm sure right i'm sure you've heard yeah that. i always get like ian curtis and jim morrison and uh i didn't think of jim morrison but i could see that who else all those biggie Mark pop Iggy Pop, okay. Yeah, I can see that too. What'd you say, uh, John? Marky Smith is the one I hear a lot too. Yeah. That's the that's the the fall guy, right? Marky Smith? Yeah. yeah. Just like a lot of those crooner guys who can not really sing. That's kinda yeah, like the low talk sing kind of thing. But I, you know what I actually I picked up and Alan Vega, I'm sure you, you get like the suicide comparison album too. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did that full suicide uh cover set. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're big fans. Yeah, that was cool. It, it sounded like the records when you guys did it. It was pretty wild. I was like, damn. Because we sampled the records. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I think I asked you guys. I was blackout drunk at that show. So. Uh, Me too. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Like this, the, I think the only time I ever spoke to you, and I don't remember what I said, but I remember waking up being like, I was an idiot. Uh, that classic shame over kind of thing. Um, yeah. No. Okay. My comparison is, and I, I hope you've never gotten this before. It's uh, the B fifty twos guy. That's what Whoa. Yeah. With like just the re really leaning into it super like I like despite the kind of like sort of monotonous I think I think there's actually something very theatrical about uh, about your delivery. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like the B52s. Yeah, me too. Uh, I recently like actually sat down to listen to their records like Beyond the Hits and it's actually like some very interesting music. Totally. Totally, yeah. Okay. Totally. Good records. Yeah, good records. Um, okay, yeah, I want to I want to go back. Like, what 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 was your guys' beginnings like playing uh, playing music and stuff? Uh, not even necessarily like, oh, I did guitar lessons because like seems like most interviews in general always like, yeah, oh, I was in school band or whatever. But like first uh, real like bands that you played in and stuff. And what did they sound like? And what was that experience like? Uh, Steve. Uh, the first bands I played in was, yeah, like grade nine or 10, I started playing in bands, like the same within months of basically having a guitar. So 
just awful like punk pop punk i don't even know what it was just like just bands that exist for a couple of practices kind of thing did that for a long time and then uh like all high school and then after high school i just got really into acoustic guitar and folk music and bob dylan and stuff and then uh i did that i started performing like that and that's how i met thomas and he was kind of he was also doing some solo folk stuff but also in he was in a band obviously and then i joined thomas and his brother's band mount royal which they had been doing since high school and that's what we started touring with and really playing shows and getting any kind of like uh experience uh touring or whatever but and recording but we me and thomas uh when we met we started booking shows in medicine how we were from and we did it every tuesday for like two years we brought bands to town and uh promoted shows and then just out of necessity of there's no local bands in medicine hat we would often play these shows where like one week it would be me performing a solo set or then one week it would be thomas doing a solo set or like his brother doing a solo set and then one week it would be mount royal or band and then another week it would be me playing my songs with Thomas and his brother backing me up and stuff. So it was like, looking back, it's like a pretty cool experience to just like, we did all kinds of music really at that time. Yeah. And like we were playing in a crazy noise punk band, but also performing solo acoustic sets. Like, is that what, is that what Mount Royal was? <laughs> it was a noise punk band. Yeah, I would say it started just like out of the extreme want to play music, but maybe not knowing how. And yeah. we just found a bunch of like-minded friends, uh, two two other friends in high school who just like also really wanted to play music, but didn't know how. Except for our drummer, he was like a crazy marching drummer, but he didn't know how to play anything except the snare drum. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting, but uh, it was just real weird music. And then maybe the better we got or the more we learned, it got more just kind of noisy or just like indie noisy or like son we liked Sonic Youth a lot. Mm -hmm. And then, then we just kind of moved on from there. But yeah, lots of different kind of music. Did you guys ever record as uh, Mount Royal? Does that exist? Yeah, I think there's one record online. And then if anyone has old records, there's like a couple or CDs. There's like, I think there's like two CDs before the re record that's on the internet and then a couple seven inches and stuff. Okay. I'm going to try and dig it up. I'm going to hit the soul yeah. seek, see if I can find those nice yeah um okay cool. i almost has them all <laughs> i got them all yeah to pry them out of my cold dead hands <laughs> <laughs> are you are you an avid uh like record collector like you got a you got a collection i do yeah i love i love uh record digging yeah what's your uh what's your most prized prized records like what's uh what's the one that you're like nobody um not that it's rare or anything, but I have, uh, I'm just, uh, I was really, I always loved the, both the Plastic Ono Band records, the John Lennon one and the Yoko one. Yeah, those are great records. And uh, I just remember being stoked, so stoked when I finally found the Yoko Ono one and just being like, these are two records that will never not be next to each other. I will never sell these. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then... Uh, I, I'm a huge, me and Steve both are huge Craig Leon fans and 
at one of the record fairs in Victoria, I found an original visiting. So I picked that up and that's like, I'm pretty stoked on that. And then also, I guess just, uh, I spent a long time trying to find original Kinks records. So my Kinks collection, I'm pretty like, I'll never sell these either. Nice. Um, you, you collect records, Steve? No, not really. I mean, I did more when uh, I was younger. Like when we lived in uh, Medicine Hat, there was this crazy record store called Arcade Records that me and Thomas and his brother were basically the only people in the whole city who cared about records. So you could just get anything for nothing, basically. The only thing he charged real money for was Beatles and Stones. And then anything else was like a dollar. So Hell yeah. I had a lot of records at that point and that was really fun. I liked going there and there was nothing else to do in Medicine Hat. So collected a bunch of records. I've parted ways with a lot of them over the years just because I've moved a lot and it's been unrealistic for me to collect records, but I yeah, I would love to. It's always fun to like listen to records and maybe one day I'll get back into it. But yeah, I find I spelled, the other... I like 50, but that's about it. That's, 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 that's a bit of records yeah i've i've probably 50 cds that's about all i got but okay yeah i find uh streaming it's it's like there's a there's a it's so convenient you know it's like but it's the ultimate like gentrification of music you know what i mean like uh yeah it's become yeah. worthless <laughs> yeah it's so convenient though because it's like i can immediately like i woke up and i put on one of your records like that i didn't have to spend any money on you know what i mean like it's just like yeah. play right I'm a big fan of streaming as well. Yeah. I yeah, like YouTube and it's, I feel like it's just such a wealth of knowledge, just a good, such a good way to archive shit. Yeah. YouTube is particularly great. I know that like, there's like, there's this weird, I can't even describe it, but I always like describe this particular sound as like YouTube sidebar music. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, yeah. Like a lot of those like, sort of Japanese guitar records and stuff, you know? Yeah. Has the algorithm showed you this yet? <laughs> yeah. Like the clickbait of music. But I find like the thing that uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone has talked about this, but just the the thing that I miss about like now when I have like, like Spotify or YouTube, whatever, I just listen to like the start of so many songs or like a little bit of a record and then move on and it's gone forever. But back in uh, when CDs were around, or I guess they're still around, but back when we were buying CDs all the time, we would just you'd buy a CD and then you'd just have it and then you'd have to listen to it even when you like didn't like it. Yeah, like you just drive around in your car and you just be in your car, and then you just listen to that CD until you basically liked it, <laughs> and that was kind of cool. Like I, that experience of just having to sit with music longer and then really like, it just was a different uh, listening experience. And yeah, you have to force that now. Yeah, yeah it was. It's the challenge, uh, which is really cool. Like. I do remember as a kid, my sister was always, she she was the head of CGSW in Calgary. So she'd always give us weird CDs. And I remember one like family road trip to like, I don't know where we were driving, but I remember sitting in the back of the car and I just had Doolittle by the Pixies. And I just remember listening to it and hating it. Yeah. But then just being like, this is the only thing I have to listen to. So I just listened to it. And by the end of the road trip, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> That. yeah 
that, that and it was like an amazing thing when I remember getting like a three disc CD player. You could put three discs in it, and that was like it's been around, yeah, yeah. And I, was, and I just put that on like this is so so crazy, so much music, <laughs> magical times. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I guess we're old. I guess <laughs> that's what. <we're, laughs> yeah, I don't know what the point of that was. <laughs> Yeah, no, my brother, uh, when I was in elementary school, the, we, we, I was in Waterloo, and it's this very weird kind of Christian vibes in the school, and they would, they would do pretty heinous shit, but like, uh, there was the contests and stuff that kids would do, where it's like, if you do a good thing, you get this thing called a gotcha, you know, you get caught doing a good thing, and, and then they draw it on Fridays, and you win a prize. My brother won a seven-disc stereo. That was wow. That was tight. We would listen to, like, when we would go to bed, my mom would make us, like, make CDs with, like, Leonard Cohen and stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and that was, that was such a cool time, mix CDs or, like, mixtapes like that, where you really just personalized your stuff, but not in, like, a, such a disposable way. I guess it was a bit disposable. It's not like a playlist or whatever, where you're just changing it all the time. It's just kind of like, you have this CD, it's in the order you put it in, and that's just uh, yeah. your experience with those songs forever. I, I feel like most of the mixed CDs that have been produced in the world now are, are gone, gone, you know? Like, yeah. I don't have any, like, and I'm sure I've, I probably made hundreds in there, and they're gone. I have no idea what happened to them. Yeah, and they just do the, the grossest mismatch of music. Yeah. And yeah. Such, like, that was such a cool thing. Yeah. Mine would always like, just be like a half of an album, like a half of a whole album, and then just like five weird random songs and a half of a different album. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mine would be like three stroke songs, three Tupac songs, <laughs> and like a kid rock song. <laughs> just like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Yeah. I don't know. Kid Rock's got some good music, like unironically, I'd say. But yeah, no sense of flow, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah um okay uh then i had another question oh yeah yeah uh okay like i i don't i don't like this question but i'm gonna ask it anyways just because like you guys actually have a lot of experience touring and stuff and just like do you think COVID? like do you think COVID is gonna have like long-term impact on uh the future of of kind of live music and or music in general i wonder I think maybe what it's done is uh, it's pushed the streaming concert into existence. Yeah. And people seem to be getting real good at it. So that might be a thing that just keeps happening. Have you watched any of them? I've uh, checked out just the snippets, but like you'll see like even like the MTV Music Awards this year like was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. That's cool. And, and I'm just like, oh, I wonder if this is just the way we'll do shit like this from now on. Like if Coachella will just be an insane stream that you could do for like five dollars from home. Yeah, I don't like the the lack of like like three dimensionality to uh, like a live stream show though. You know what I mean? Like you can't like move around, you can't smell anything. Yeah, there's no bar. There's you know what you know what I mean? Like it's uh uh I think it makes it harder to be critical almost. You know what I mean? Like where because you can just no, close it right. There's no guest list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no guestless politics. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely different. I think things will probably go like it seems like everyone's pushing just to go back to normal, whether it be for good or like for ready for it or not. But I just feel like 
everyone's pushing to get the venues open again like especially the bar industry and stuff so i wouldn't be surprised if everything just goes back to normal sooner rather than later yeah maybe people will have a newfound appreciation for live music after this but maybe not i don't know yeah i don't know either I think it might change the kind of music that, that uh, people want to go see, you know? The kind of music, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. I just, like, I have this sneaking suspicion that dance music is going to, like, just take off the second that, uh, like, we're all clear on COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm, I kind of wonder if, like, band touring will be, especially at a certain, like, level, if it's going to be, like, riskier i guess because it'll be like well do we want to go play venues that are only allowed half capacity are we going to make any money yeah but maybe maybe electronic people it's you know it's easier to travel it's cheaper and stuff so exactly that's that's what i'm thinking yeah because like the if like if like a economically and b just like yeah risk if it's just one person with a laptop that's got a killer like sound or whatever like uh i think that that it, we're going to lean more towards booking that rather than the sort of liability uh both economically and and health-wise of being a full-size band you know yeah totally and i think when people want to go back like when people are like yeah yeah, yeah we need to go to a show uh they're gonna want i think they're gonna want to dance you know what i mean i think they're gonna want something a bit more like like the the sensuality or whatever of uh of dance music and kind of you, club you ready music. to yeah, and I found too this stuff that's like been successful in the wake of like URL like raves or whatever. It's the sort of like PC music, whatever you want to call that, hyper pop stuff. I think that that's that's what's going to be in vogue come live music. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Do you guys you guys like that stuff? This is something I'm I'm endlessly curious about. Where and is endlessly debated the the kind of like hyper pop thing. Like, uh, do do you think that it's uh flash in the pan or uh if you if you know what i'm talking about uh like yeah. a flash in the pan or if it's like actually going to like is madonna gonna work with 100 gex or something you know what i mean like i um i think it could be i don't know i i like it i just love how weird it is i i appreciate any kind of pop music that comes around where like i don't understand like i i find it so like even like someone like prince where you're just like this is such weird music i can't believe this is like a pop star yeah, I kind of agree. So I, I like love anything like that that can like really push into the mainstream but remain like hyper artistic. So I, I have a big respect for that scene. Yeah, I think it could eat eat up uh, the space that on the billboards that like trap music takes, which which would break my heart as a as a big fan of trap music. But yeah, I think uh, the way that when I was like you know I'm I'm 24, so the, when I was like 16. And all this Migos and et cetera, et cetera, Drake was getting really popular. It was like, oh, yes, this is very exciting. I think that maybe that is what's happening right now with uh, this, this kind of manic, dancey, hyper-pop stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems huge. Yeah. Although it's a lot weirder than trap music, you know, because trap music is, is kind of based on fundamentals of uh, music that's been around for a long time. Yeah, I think the hyper pop stuff, like maybe it, it leans into some like Madonna and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think like I I, always, I I look at Death Grips kind of when I when I think of this stuff too. You know what I mean? Like okay, yeah, very internet aware, like very uh, what's what's the word like uh, enigmatic? I guess you know. 
Yeah. Not not adherent to like any identity or anything really. Yeah. Isn't like Sophie's like more popular than ever, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean I I went to see Sophie in Vancouver and it was sold out. So Yeah. I I saw her in Montreal when I lived there and it was nuts. It was a crazy show. Yeah, it was nuts. It was so much more industrial than I expected. Ours I don't know if it's the same for you, but it was like a twenty minute set, which kinda of blew my mind. Whoa. Was it a like DJ kind of thing or was it just like a full on It looked like I don't exactly know what the gear was, but it looked like two Ableton push pushes. Yeah, that's the same. Kinda of, yeah, it was just like and then a crazy light show, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, the show I saw I think it was like an hour and it was like uh almost completely unreleased music. Very it's pretty aggressive, uh for the most part. Didn't didn't yeah. play any of the hits really. It was pretty crazy. That's sweet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and it was a good crowd. There was like nice people as hell. Like yeah. Somebody offered me mushrooms in the bathroom. There you go. I said no. <laughs> yeah. Uh cool. Okay. Thanks for letting me talk about that at the end there. I apologize. That's no just... worries. Yeah, okay. Cool. Well, this is, I guess this has been the Free Key Waves. You guys got anything else you want to say? Check out the new record. Yeah, Zap the Planet. It's on Telephone Explosion. Buy, buy a physical copy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah check out everything else on that label. It's a good label. Check it out. It's great. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I've been going through it alphabetically. So. Yeah, check out New Fries. They're our, they're our favorite. Too. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm going to figure out how to stop recording. Hell yeah. Let's do that. I don't know how to do this.